he was on. If you heard him in the morning, you might not think you paid that much attention. But then if you heard him again at noon, you think, I already heard all this. And the same thing when you're working in the field on the tractor and you hear the, the exact same news over and over. You, you, you remembered it better than maybe you thought. So um, here's what we're going to do. I'm going to take about one minute to review what we were talking about back then. And then we're going to continue on with the rest of that passage in Deuteronomy chapter 8. Deuteronomy chapter 8. Um, Moses is talking to the people about where they've been. God's talking to the people through Moses about where they've been in the wilderness and the hardships they faced. And that's the first part of this passage. And, I, and I'm going to read, the, you can stay seated, I'll read the first six verses. I'll make a couple comments about that. Then we'll stand and we'll read today's text, which is, is the latter part of chapter 8. So, Deuteronomy 8, verses 1 through 6. All the commandments that I am commanding you today you shall be careful to do, that you may live and multiply and go in and possess the land which the Lord swore to give to your forefathers. You shall remember all the ways which your Lord, the Lord your God has led you in the wilderness these 40 years, that he might humble you, testing you to know what is in your heart whether you would keep his commandments or not. He humbled you and let you be hungry and fed you with manna which you do not know, nor did your fathers know that he might make you understand that man does not live by bread alone, but man lives by everything that proceeds out of the mouth of the Lord. Your clothing did not wear out, nor did your foot swell these 40 years. Thus you are to know in your heart that the Lord your God was dis uh, disciplining you discipling you, disciplining you, that you might, that, that you just as a man disciplines his son. Therefore you shall keep the commandments of the Lord your God to walk in his ways and to fear him. What Moses was saying was that all this, these tough times we experienced these 40 years, we spent a lot of that time thinking, boo-hoo, woe is us, get us out of here. Let us go back to where we were. Let us just die. Let anything but going through these trials. And God was saying, I had you right where I wanted you. I had you right where you needed to be. I was teaching you throughout this time. There was never one second I didn't have a hold of you. And um, guess what? A lot of times bad times are actually good times because that's what helps us to grow. And just like steel is forged by fire, we have to go through those things to get to where God wants us to be. So now the passage is going to turn and he's going to talk about the good things that are, are going to come in the future. But guess what? When times are good, sometimes they're bad. Because just because things seem to be going our way doesn't mean we're not going to make a big mess out of it. And that's what he's going to warn the people about in the rest of the passage here. In Lamentations chapter 3, verse 27, it said, it is good uh, for a young man to have the yoke upon him in his youth. It's saying it is good to, to grow up working. It is good to grow up struggling a little bit. It is good to learn uh, where your bread is buttered. It is good to learn that God is in control. So that is where we were in June of 2018. Now I invite you to stand. We'll begin with verse 7. We're going to talk about 
the good times that are to come and all the pitfalls that can come along with this prosperity. Deuteronomy chapter 8, verse 7. For the Lord your God is bringing you into a good land, a land with brooks of water, of fountains and springs, flowing forth in valleys and hills, a land of wheat and barley, of vines and fig trees and pomegranates, a land of olive oil and honey, a land where you will eat food without scarcity, in which you will not lack anything, a land whose stones are iron and out of whose hills you can dig copper. When you have eaten and are satisfied, you shall bless the Lord your God for the good land which he has given you. Beware that you do not forget the Lord your God by not keeping his commandments and his ordinances and his statutes which I am commanding you today. Otherwise, when you have eaten and are satisfied and have built good houses and lived in them, and when your herds and your flocks multiply, your silver and gold multiply, and all that you have multiplies, then your heart will become proud and you will forget the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of slavery. He led you through the great and terrible wilderness with its fiery serpents and scorpions and thirsty ground where there was no water. He brought water for you out of the rock of Flint. In the wilderness, he fed you manna, which your fathers did not know, that he might humble you and that he might test you to do good for you in the end. Otherwise, you may say in your heart, my power and strength and the strength of my hands have made me this wealth. But you shall remember the Lord your God, for it is he who is giving you your power to make wealth, that he may confirm his covenant with which he swore to your fathers as it is this day. It shall come about if you ever forget the Lord your God and go after other gods and serve them and worship them. I testify you against you today that you will surely perish like the nations that the Lord makes to perish before you. So you shall perish because you will not listen to the voice of the Lord your God. Heavenly Father, we just ask that you would add your blessing to the reading of your word. Help us to have hearts that are humble before you, that are hungry for you. Help us to realize that on our darkest, lowest day, we need you desperately. But on the very best day we ever live, we need you just as desperately. And that every breath we take is a gift from you. In your great and holy name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. When life was simple... You could come home from school and watch Rocky and Bullwinkle, and each episode had a, two, a subtitle, then they had an alternate subtitle. And I named this half of my sermon that we were going to have today, uh, Don't Fumble on the Goal Line, or When Your Ship Comes In, Don't Sink It. If uh, back before coronavirus took over the headlines, of our media, it was the uh, the political race. Right before that, we had some some other political business going on. But the biggest story in the last couple of years since then has just been this ongoing succession of people that appeared to be doing pretty well. Some of them were in the twilight of their career when it came to light that there was some real some wrong things going on, um, that those people had what it took to get there, but they didn't have what it took to stay there. And for the last, uh, and we're going to see that handling success is one of the biggest challenges we'll ever face, that anybody will ever face. Uh, prosperity, popularity, and power, uh, I'm a fan of all those things, but they all bring their own set of challenges. They all... Uh, God blesses his people uh, 
all throughout the time of the Bible, throughout today. Uh, he wants us. He blesses us so that we can bless others. He blesses us so that we can uh, appreciate and be grateful to Him. But there's challenges that come along with it. You sometimes you hear people say, "Well, you've got it made," or "I finally got it made," or "He's got it made." You never have it made. You never have it made because it's never too late to mess it up. And we're going to look at some examples. Um, uh, because they're people that, one, we don't personally know them, and we're, we're not trying to, to slander them, but they're examples of those that, that we're going to recognize that made some of these kind of mistakes when it appeared they had it all going their way. <clears throat> some of them are entertainers, some are sports figures, um, and those are people that make the headlines. There's people... We're going to find out that you and I do some of these same kind of things, and we struggle with some of these kind of some of these kind of things. But I, when I say these names, you're going to recognize just how many there's been in the last few years, and how how many more we could add to this. Lance Armstrong. Who thought he wasn't on the square? Okay. Um, R. Kelly, Harry Weinstein, Bill Cosby, Jeffrey Epstein, going back a little ways. Pete Rose. Brett Favre, Roger Clemens, Tiger Woods, the Houston Astros, all seem to have it going their way. And then somebody said, hey, wait a minute. We got a problem here. They don't have it all going their way. Um, they've had success. They've, they've accomplished some things. But um, and in most of those cases, they had the talent, they had the ability, they gave the effort, they did what they needed to do to arrive, but then they weren't able to handle the prosperity and the power, in, in some cases, that went along with that. So why, another example would be the lottery winners, which maybe they didn't do a lot to, to get there, but we see how how often, almost invariably, that doesn't turn out well. So why do these folks that it seems like they haven't made, why do things go so wrong for them? Well, for one thing, they have a whole new set of, of temptations. Um, it's not only good things that come with good things. Okay, when you sign that big contract for... You know, multiple millions of dollars. Don't think there's not a line of people waiting to, to uh, try to get a piece of that, to try to get a piece of you. So, along with prosperity and power and popularity comes a whole new set of temptations. Um, Do you ever know a family that the best-looking kid had the most trouble? I bet you do. Okay, there's just uh, what what we think we want and what seems like it would be so good. A lot of times it has a lot of trouble that goes along with it. Some of these folks that have gotten trouble, they were trying to stay on top. They, they had genuinely achieved some good things. And then when you start winning, like Lance Armstrong, for example, where you're expected to keep winning. And then as you, you get older, you get some injuries, you're not able to keep up, but there's still that expectation and, and a desire on your part to stay on top. Maybe you start cutting some corners. Uh, 
to try and stay on top. We have a society that, that just has, it appears to me, more than ever, just an insatiable desire for recognition. We want, we want to be famous. We want to be recognized. Uh, we want to put things on social media and have people respond to them. We want to see how many likes that we have. Um, see how many people are following us. Back in the day, we had a saying, don't kiss and tell. We have a generation that would rather tell than kiss. Is that not right? We just, you know, how, you know how, how can I get, to, how fast can I get this on social media? You know, um, they're not, uh, the lottery winners would be a really good example, and, and some of these others as well, they're not prepared for the, the success, you know, maybe that comes too fast. God said, you know, he spent 40 years preparing these people in the wilderness so that they could cross over that Jordan River and go possess this new land, and they still didn't get it completely. But some of them learned some things. So many times we're, we're not prepared um, a lot of businesses go out of business because they had too much success. They couldn't handle it. They grew too fast. Things went too well, and it all blew up on them. <clears throat> Some of them were just rotten people anyhow. that then when they became rich and famous, it, they, were, it was, they were able to do more evil you know, on a bigger scale, and it was, it was easier for us to see. So... Um, they were proud, they were self-satisfied, they were bored. Um, Jeremiah chapter 5 verse 8 describes them this way. Uh, it's talking about the, the children of Israel um, after they went into the promised land, after they had all these good things, after they were so blessed. It says they were well-fed, lusty stallions, each one neighing after his neighbor's wife. Prosperity and success was their undoing. Paul said to run the race in a way that you won't be disqualified. If you watched the Kentucky Derby last year, uh, the fastest horse in the race was named Maximum Security. He, wire to wire he led. It was muddy that day. All the other horses were covered with mud. Uh, maximum Security was completely clean. Uh, jockey didn't have to flip up his goggles or any of that stuff. Um, the, the person with the microphone came riding up beside Maximum Security and his jockey as soon as the race was over and talking about this first time you ever won the derby to the jockey, how wonderful is that, so forth. Before the race, the first time I ever saw this, they showed the, the racing steward who's like the chief official of the day was in the jockey room talking to them about about the race. And it was a lady, the racing steward, and the last thing she said was, run a clean race. Be professional and run a clean race out there. Well, Paul said, run the race in a way that you won't be disqualified. Usually we think about not winning the race because we're not fast enough. Maximum security was the fastest horse, and he ran the fastest time. He led from wire to wire, but he didn't win because he got disqualified. Um, he was running against the rail. Someone snapped his picture. The flash scared him. He jumped over and 
fouled a couple of other horses, um, got in their way and made them, you know, check their stride. And so he was, they spent some time going over, what do we need to do here? Um, he was disqualified. To come in second or third or 16th or whatever, that's one thing. But to be out in front and then to have somebody say, oh, come here, wait a minute. We have a problem. We need to review this. That's not where we want to be. We don't want to be that person that's had a lot of success, is well down the line, and then it comes to light that, you know, that, that we have this, these things in our life that shouldn't be there, that we're not living up to, to this image that we have out here in front of us. Um, we want to run a clean race. We want to handle the prosperity um, that the Lord blesses us with. I want to look at two individuals in the Bible that had a tremendous amount of success. They were both military leaders, and they both blew it in a big way. And one of them is, um, we'll take them in order, I guess. King David was first. King David faced the bear and he killed him. Faced the lion and he killed him. He faced Goliath and he killed him. He faced all these armies and he won. He faced Saul and he won. But then he had, he made a, pardon me, a huge mistake in his life. And if you were to look at the account of when he sinned with Bathsheba, it starts off by saying, in the springtime, when kings go off to war, David was taking a nap. So if prosperity is what got him into his trouble. And again, not, not, nothing against prosperity. It's how we handle it. All these other challenges, he'd met them head on. He'd asked God for his help, and he'd succeeded. Then when he should be out in the forefront of his army, when he should be out leading his people, he's taking a nap. Life is pretty good. The kingdom is, is secure. He's got a nice um, palace. People, he's really popular. Written a bunch of songs, written a bunch of poems, called a man after God's own heart. Things are going great for him. But he gets bored, he gets self-satisfied, and he gets proud. And he forgets that he, that he desperately needs God in his life to, to lead him. He starts thinking he can call his own shots. We're going to come back to him. There's another king, uh, Nebuchadnezzar. You find his story in the book of Daniel, which is, to me, a hard book to find sometimes. It's way toward the end of the Old Testament. There was two or three different kings, I think it was three, that uh, Daniel and his interacted with. One of them uh, was Nebuchadnezzar. Nebuchadnezzar was a general of the army, I guess we could say, a military leader, um, conquered several nations, became powerful, uh, 
a powerful leader over a lot of nations, did fine when he was doing those things. But then in chapter 4, verse 4 of, of Daniel, it says, I, Nebuchadnezzar, was at ease in my house and flourishing in my palace. Does it sound like something bad's about to happen? I was flourishing in ease. I had life by the tail. Things were going his way. Well, then he has a dream about what's going to happen to him, about how this is all going to be taken away. And if we, if we skipped over to verse 30 of chapter um, of 4 also, Daniel 4, the king, he's had this dream, and um, Daniel comes in, it says, that dream says that God's going to take all this away from you. You're going to be like a wild animal. You're going to uh, just live out in the wilderness, not have any wealth, not have any power, not have any friends. You're going to be by yourself. All that you have is going to be taken away from you, including your sanity. You're going to crawl around on the ground and on all fours and eat grass. Um, after Daniel had told him this, it hasn't happened yet. The king reflected and he said, Is this not Babylon the Great, which I myself built as a royal residence by the might of my power and for the glory of my majesty? While the words were still in his mouth, um, it all started crumbling on him. It all started crumbling and he, he lost all, all of these things that he, he thought that he built for himself. Now, when we have somebody that is messing up their life, that consistently uh, makes poor choices, that, you know, has been in, in one kind of trouble and another their whole life, they conduct their, their self like they're running for mayor of Stupidville, and they come to church... And they come forward, and they say, you know what? I've realized what a mess I've made. I'm a sinner, and I need God. We look at them with grace and with mercy, and we say, there but by the grace of God go I. We say, God has a special place in his heart for the prodigal. We might put it on Facebook that we're, we're so happy. We might tell somebody we see, hey, guess who was in church today? Guess who was in church? They, they came forward, and uh, they're, gonna, they're trying to get their life right. We'd be happy about that, and we should be. And we'd want to tell people about that. But if we took someone that had consistently been successful, had done a lot of, made a lot of right choices in their life, had sacrificed in a lot of ways to help other people, Maybe they owned some good farm ground. Maybe she was president at the bank. Maybe their kids were, were some of the best ball players in town. And one of those folks stubbed their toe, stumbled in some kind of way, 
had some trouble in their marriage, had a, rever- uh, a financial reversal in their business, their kid went bad, you know what we'd say? We'd say, cut them down. Cut them down. Is that not right? Where's the grace and the mercy in that? That's envy and jealousy coming out and jabbing away at somebody that has something we think we can't have or don't have. That's not the way that God treated David. It's not the way he treated Nebuchadnezzar. He punished them, and he told them where they were wrong, they were wrong. But he sent Nathan and he sent Daniel to intervene, to reach out to them. We're going to look at what happened in their lives. When we have, when we have success, when we have things going our way, we've got to be careful. And we've got to remember where it came from. And we have to, to ask the Lord to help us and to guide us and to bless us with those things that he's blessed us with. And when we fall and stumble, we need to recognize that we're a sinner like everyone else is and that we need to not hide that but to ask for forgiveness. And when we have our brother or sister, it's easy for those that we more or less look down on to give them a hand say, oh, hey, hey, good for you. Come on up here. It's harder to reach up and say, you know what, I, I'm sorry for what's happened in your life. I'm going to stand with you. I'm not going to gossip about you. I'm not going to revel in your failure. I'm not going to cut you down. I'm not going to talk about you behind your back. I'm going to stand with you, and I'm not going to call wrong right, but I'm with you. If you're a Christian brother or sister, I'm going to stand with you. Um, I'm not going to define you. By the by, the the rare bad occasions. <clears throat> Daniel went to to Nebuchadnezzar. We look in verse thirty-seven here. And he, he'd already told him <clears throat> about how he could come back to God, and that that God had given him everything, and so forth. Nebuchadnezzar came to his senses and realized the error of his ways. In verse 37, also Daniel chapter 4, it says, Now I, Nebuchadnezzar, praise, exalt, and honor the king of heaven, for all his works are true, and his ways are just, and he is able to humble those who walk in pride. The village idiot can change his heart. God can change his heart. and the biggest man in the county, God can change his heart too. And God loves one just as much as he does the other. And and sometimes we, the Bible says to to not show favoritism. Sometimes we we do the opposite of that. We do the opposite of that. Um, It's talking about not kiss up to to those that are above us and disdain those that are below us. But the same idea would be don't, uh, 
don't cut down or backbite or revel in the, in the misfortunes of those that, that you perceive to be ahead of you in some kind of way. Nathan went to, to King David. He said, you're wrong. What you're doing is wrong. But he didn't say God's done with you. He said you need to ask forgiveness, which David did, and he needed to, and he did ask forgiveness. Once again, God restored both of these men to, to the positions they'd had. In 1 Chronicles uh, chapter 29, we see an example. Of, this is David leading the people. Um, he, didn't, he built a new palace. His son Solomon built the temple. David had too much blood on his hands from all the wars. And, but he collected, he was putting things, resources together during his reign to build the temple. He gathered in a bunch of wood and gold and silver and so forth and money and was stockpiling all this in preparation for building the temple. So we're going to see here in 1 Chronicles 29, starting with chapter 10, he is dedicating this offering that's being given for the new temple to the Lord, and he's showing that there's prosperity, but there's humility with prosperity. We're going to see here's an example of someone that handled the blessings the right way, and it was old David that had messed up, but God had restored him. 1 Chronicles 29, chapter Chapter 29, verse 10. So David blessed the Lord in the sight of all the assembly. And David said, Blessed are you, Lord God of Israel, our Father forever and ever. Yours, O Lord, is the greatness and the power and the glory and the victory and the majesty. Indeed, everything that is in heaven and the earth, yours is the dominion, O Lord, and you exalt yourself as head over all. Both riches and honor come from you, and you make, and you rule over all, and, your hand, and in your hand is power and might. And it lies in your hand to make great and to, and to strengthen everyone. Now, therefore, our God, we thank you and praise your glorious name. But who am I and who are my people that we should be able to offer as generously as this? For all things come from you and from your hand we have given you. They were humbled by how much God had blessed them. And even as they're given this money to build this temple, David is saying, we're just giving you yours. It all came from you to start with. We recognize that. So <clears throat> there, is, there is a way to handle prosperity uh, the right way. There is a way to, to have it be the blessing in our life that God wants it to be. But we've got to have, be hum humble to be able to do that. And we've got to be hungry for God. We can't let our hearts get fat uh, and flourish in our ease as, as ne ne King Nebuchadnezzar was doing. And when we look around and, uh, and we see a brother or sister that has stumbled rather than saying, so much is given, much is expected. Leaders will be judged more harshly. They know that. They're well aware of that. They feel the weight of that. That's just showing how big the smallness in us is. Instead, let's reach out a hand to them too and extend that grace and mercy that we would extend to the village idiot if he came forward.
in Philippians, Paul said, I've learned to be content in, in all things. Sometimes it's going my way, sometimes it's not. Sometimes we're in an unprecedented situation in our country, just like we are today. Never been quite here before. Um, don't know what tomorrow will bring. But we know that, that God is completely in control, uh, that he's in charge, and um, then in all things he's to be glorified and to be depended upon, and that's what we need to do now. Uh, we need him desperately on our worst day. We need him just as desperately on our very best day. The praise team can come back up. <clears throat>